Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to Blitzcast number 107. Another big show just recapping the NFL Draft. Ed and I are going to list their winners and losers in the 2020 NFL Draft. We'll discuss the first round, uh, put it under the the microscope, and just go from the first pick to the 32nd pick because the first round was a lot of fun. But let's talk about, Ed, the overall impressions. Just everything that has happened, obviously, was the first virtual draft. We didn't know what to expect. GMs, coaches... Uh, media personnel sitting in their house and and giving commentary and sitting near their computer, having the TV in the background, having all the kids and and family and and wives around. It was just a big celebration. We we don't get to see that too much, right? From these from these head coaches and these big shots, these these GMs. Yeah, I, I mean, it was kind of cool. I mean, I, I one of the things I I, I kind of pointed out on Twitter and. I just assumed like with the amount of money that Roger Goodell makes was, you know, how he, uh, you know, I would have thought he'd have this extravagant basement, you know what I mean? And uh, I, I thought it was pretty like, I thought it was pretty humble for him, you know, for a guy who makes the money he makes. But another thing that I wanted to point out about this draft was just kind of cool was that Roger Goodell kind of showed some personality, you know, I mean, he's, he's always been kind of the guy like, you know, it was the tradition to boo him and you know, now he kind of like plays with it where he, sa- he says, you know, come on, Titan fans, you know, let's see here your boos or come on, Jets fans, I expect better from you. So, you know, just some personality or like, you know, he was saying like, oh, we got some help for Tua. Like it was just I, I thought I thought it was just a better, more fun draft. I, I just I got to see the football fan and Roger Goodell. And I, I really like this new draft format. Yeah, you don't get to see much of his personality come out when he's giving those press conferences and when or when he's leading the charge on stage in New York. Well, Cleveland is going to get the next draft in 2021 and then Las Vegas is going to get the draft that they were supposed to have this year. They'll get it in 2022. 15 SEC players taken in the first round. SEC always dominates every year, Ed, but they had almost twice they almost had half of the players, half of the players that were drafted in the first round were from the SEC conference. We had 40 SEC players through three rounds, which is an all-time record as well, just like the, the 15 players taken in the first round. Just a huge, insane number, Ed. Yeah, I, I would say, I would say uh, you know, the SEC and especially LSU. I mean, LSU had so many guys drafted. Yeah, LSU. We had five LSU players drafted from the national championship team. We also had four Alabama players go in the first round as well. And we knew that this was a deep draft when it comes to wide receivers. We had 13 wide receivers that were drafted in the first three rounds. But we had 37 wide receivers, which is a record that were taken in the 2020 NFL draft. Just the depth is is insane and all the undrafted free agents as well they didn't get a chance to to be taken in this draft at the wide receiver position it's just it's an insane number yeah this was a special year for wide receivers and 
I mean, if your team got a if if your team drafted a wide receiver, they were smart too this year. And I mean, especially when we did our rankings, I mean, we usually do top ten, top fifteen, you know, top five, and at a position. But I mean, this year we did top twenty at receiver. That's just how much depth was at that position this year. So um, I, I I really I really thought this was a great receiver class. There was all types, you know. There was the big guys. There was the speed guys. There were the, you know measurable guys there was the you know high production guys there were the you know stars the big school guys the small school guys so I I I just thought I just thought I just thought this receiver class had it all you know what surprised me the most Ed especially when it comes to to the first round we didn't see any trades in the first 10 picks which is a little bit unusual I mean we heard all the buildup that the Dolphins wanted to trade with the Lions, that maybe the Chargers will go up. The Giants were also mentioned as one of those teams looking to trade down because they felt like they could get their guy later on. We heard that, you know, the Cardinals were interested at eight, the Jets at 11. We didn't get a trade until number 13. My Niners decided to swap picks with the Bucks. 13 to the the 49ers got the 14th pick the Bucks went up one up and they got the 13th pick that was really surprising to me Ed because the GMs had to be prepared ahead of time but nobody pulled the trigger on draft day that was that was incredibly surprising to me yeah I mean I I thought I thought the the Chargers and the Dolphins did a good job of waiting till five and six to get two on Herbert I mean uh, you know, we knew Joe Burrow was going to come off the board, but I, I was really expecting to see that pick, you know, uh, to move up to three and get Okuda or, you know, to move, I thought they were going to get Okuda after. And then, you know, the, I thought, I thought someone would come up to draft Justin Herbert or Tua Tung Viola and, um, more Justin Herbert cause he was healthier, but you know, those guys stayed pat, um, you know, Tua, Tua must be healthy cause he was the fifth pick in the draft and, um, you know, there were other there were other teams. I mean, like the Broncos were supposed to trade up, and you could just see the smile on on John Elway's face when he got Jerry Judy because you knew that was his guy. So that rumor was true um, that they wanted to go up and get uh, Jerry Judy, but you know they didn't have to. They stood pat and they got their guy. So um, I thought I thought a lot of things worked out well. I mean, I think it was the first the first. Uh, trade up was for a right tackle actually which is usually pretty surprising for for this you know this kind of football yeah absolutely that that really surprised me that the first trade occurred between the bucks and the 49ers at number 13 let's run through the first round obviously i mentioned that burrow and and chase young were a given and jeff akuda at number three was talked about throughout the draft process I want to focus on the quarterbacks, Ed. Four quarterbacks chosen in the first round. Burrow at number one. Tua goes to the Dolphins at five. Herbert at six. Then Jordan Love is the surprise where he went. He went 26th overall to the Packers when they they made the move up. We heard all the talk leading up to the draft. The Dolphins didn't want to be connected to Tua. We had... Herbert, we heard Andrew Thomas, we heard that they were going to pick Thomas and then they were going to get Jordan Love later. All that was a smokescreen, Ed. Tua was their pick and they got their signal caller of the future at five. Yeah, I mean, I I, th- I think the Dolphins, I mean, you know, with, with where the Dolphins stand, you know, as far as, uh, 
you know, getting getting a left tackle and so forth. I mean, I, I would say I would say uh, you know maybe maybe you give Josh Rosen a shot. You know, you you showcase him a little bit for maybe a little bit. But when Tua's ready and re- Tua's healthy, you you put him in. You know, I mean. Um, you know, Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen, I mean, he could be... No, forget about Rosen, Ed. Rosen is not going to get a shot. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the quarterback to open the season. The Dolphins know this. They they trust him. Rosen is not going to get a shot here anymore. He's going to be the number three quarterback that's going to be dangled in some trade uh, come training camp. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the guy moving forward until Tua is ready. Fitzpatrick has proven that, obviously, last year when they won a few more games than I think people anticipated. The Dolphins were were winners with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So once Tua gets the shot, obviously he's their franchise of the quarterback. He's their quarterback of the future. Let's talk about six. You're a guy, Ed. Justin Herbert going to the Chargers like you predicted. Uh, Obviously a four-year starter at Oregon. Has won a lot of big games. Your boy goes to the team that you had going uh, all along. You you debated whether it was going to be two or Herbert. Here it is. Herbert goes to the Chargers at six. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, Justin Herbert, I think, is going to be a great pick. I mean, especially at number six. Um, you know, I I thought it was kind of risky to just get rid of Philip Rivers so early. I mean, you know, it was good for the Colts. They were able to jump all over him and get a get a you know a stopgap at quarterback. But at the same time, I mean. You you have to you have to really, I mean you know just just the safety there you know and and just for them to wait till the draft and patiently wait and I mean I I feel like it was a little bit risky I mean I I would have tried to add something in free agency you know maybe like a not not the exact name Tyrod Taylor but a Tyrod Taylor type or a you know try to trade for like some sort of backup or some sort of stopgap but they really just. They really just waited, and they got Justin Herbert. They must have known they were going to get Justin Herbert or something. Well, they probably knew they were going to get one of the quarterbacks, and they were they were comfortable with that. So the Chargers walk away with their future franchise quarterback as well. Uh, obviously, I mentioned Burrow at the top. There's no need to talk about him because he was clearly the number one quarterback on the board. But Jordan Love wasn't. There was a lot of talk that maybe some team was going to move up to 15. Another team might trade up from the second round in order to to get up into the end of the first round. Well, it was the Green Bay Packers, Ed. The Green Bay Packers, something that they did 15 years ago and drafting Aaron Rodgers to be the heir apparent to Brett Favre. Now the Packers take the same road and they draft the heir apparent in Jordan Love. I'm sure that pissed Aaron Rodgers off. Yeah, I know, I'm sure it did, but at the same time, I mean, you know, if you like, if you like Jordan Love, which I, I'm not as big on Jordan Love, but if you like Jordan Love, I mean, the best thing to do is have him learn behind behind somebody, and you know, let him develop, and you know, you know, be able to play and learn an offense, so that you know, when he does have to come into the game, you know, that he can be ready. I, I think. I think if you're willing to take the the risk on Jordan Love, this was this was kind of a smart move by the Packers. I don't love the Packers draft afterwards, and you know I I I I, I don't know I don't know if Jordan Love is really ever going to live up to his first round billing, but I I thought I I think it's an interesting idea. I mean they they drafted him at pretty much the same point 
that they drafted Aaron Rodgers compared to when you know when they had Brett Favre. So I mean, you know they 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 believe in the developmental quarterback, and I and that's exactly what Jordan Love's going to be. I hate the pick. I really do. Look, you're one game away from the Super Bowl last year, and obviously the Packers laid an egg against my Niners, but I hate the pick. You didn't do enough to get Aaron Rodgers more weapons. We we already talked about this. This is the deepest wide receiver class in the history of, of me scouting for the past 15 years. I've never seen a deeper wide receiver class than this. Yet the Packers chose not to draft any single wide receiver in this draft when they usually do on day three. They picked up a couple of guys on the undrafted free agent wire, but still, I mean, that's probably what makes Aaron Rodgers angry. It's not the fact that they drafted the heir apparent. It's what they even did after it. In my opinion, Jordan Love was a second-round pick. I had him, I think, in my top 50. Certainly didn't have him in the first round but I knew he was going to go somewhere here if it wasn't the Packers I'm sure the Colts were looking to move up and the reason why the Packers went from 30 to 26 is because the Seahawks are sitting there at 27 I'm sure the Colts were discussing a trade up there in order to get their heir apparent uh, to Indianapolis as well Ed six wide receivers were taken in the first round we already mentioned 37 went in the entire NFL draft, six were taken. But we had to wait a while. The first wide receiver that was taken was at number 12. It was Henry Ruggs to the Raiders. I think that surprised a lot of people. A lot of people figured Mike Mayock was going to fall in love with Jerry Judy's route running. Or he was going to go with the most complete receiver and CeeDee Lamb from Oklahoma. Well, it looked like Mike Mayock probably had the ghost of Al Davis in his house because the the Raiders went with the speedster out of Alabama. Yeah, I I, I was sort of surprised that he was the first pick of, I mean, of all the receivers in this draft class, for him to be the first pick was kind of surprising for me. Um, I I would say, I'm going to say that I would have I would have preferred to go somewhere different, you know. Not and it's not so much the position that I disagree with, but I I would have gone somewhere different. Like I probably would have gone with Jerry Judy or T, you know, even T Higgins. Even T Higgins would have made sense there. Or C D Lamb. I mean, the Cowboys got a steal with C D Lamb. Or I mean, there were there was just there were just other options on the board. I mean, I I just. I, I like Ruggs. I, I love his potential, but it's a high-risk, high-reward pick. Obviously, at 15, you mentioned already that the Broncos were rumored to, to trade up for Jerry Judy. Well, John Elway didn't have to do that. They stayed put, and, and they got him, and they continued to run on, on wide receivers. And, and Judy is going to be a great slot receiver in this league. I'm sure he's going to switch between outside and and the slot. So that that's kind of going to be interesting there with, with Judy uh, being that guy, the more explosive wide receiver in the Denver Broncos system. They were happy with that. And like you mentioned, CeeDee Lamb was probably the best pick in the first round. Not probably. I'm going to say CeeDee Lamb was the best pick of the first round because I don't think anybody anticipated him dropping that far. He went number 17 to the Dallas Cowboys. They didn't need a wide receiver. They just signed Amari Cooper. They have Michael Gallup, but it was just too much to pass up 
most likely the best player on the board for Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. Yeah, and you know, you know, Jerry Jones wants to build up his offense. So, I mean, I I can understand why he went that way. Um, you know, now now their offense is pretty loaded. I mean, they got a good offensive line. They got receivers. Uh, they got a running back, and you know, they've got a they've got a decent quarterback who really has a perfect situation to sign a big contract, but for some reason won't sign it. So, um, I, I I mean. I think after drafting CeeDee Lamb, you got everything you want, you could want in Dallas. So I think it's time for Dak to sign his contract. I'm looking for the Cowboys' offense to be explosive next year under Mike McCarthy. Too many weapons to work with. And I, I hope he's going to open it up with Kellen Moore, who is the offensive coordinator there. And then the wide receiver run continued, Ed. But the one thing that surprised me is that the Eagles went with Jalen Rager from TCU, the speedster who can stretch the field over a guy like Justin Jefferson who went 22nd overall to the Minnesota Vikings. What do you think of that pick? Yeah, I I don't know. You know, a guy like Jalen Rager, great athlete. I don't think his production at TCU was necessarily first-round worthy, but, you know, he is a phenomenal athlete. He's speedy. He's fast. He can return kicks and punts. Um, you know, just just great athlete, and I think that's why he was picked where he was picked. Um, I I find that I find that a little bit of a riskier pick. I think there were some safer picks there. I mean, right the next pick after you get Justin Jefferson, who I think is I think is probably the top slot receiver in this draft. Um, you know, he he was the number one for LSU, and he he carried their team. Um, but you know, even 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 so, I mean, I. If you want a receiver, I mean, do you have to get a slot guy? I mean, can you maybe get an outside guy? Because there was there was plenty of talent, you know. I mean, I would I would I would have pulled the trigger on Michael Pittman if 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 that was if that was you know possible. I mean, I I you know if you if you really wanted a receiver in the first round, and I think Michael Pittman could have been a guy you could have pulled the trigger on there. Well, like I said, the Vikings went with more speed there. They went with the guy that that's sure-handed and can become a clutch receiver for them on third down. I'm just not sure how that's going to work. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen lines up a lot of the times in the slot as well, especially on third down. How are you going to make that work with Justin Jefferson? Both guys are talented, and you can switch them around. It's just Jefferson's value is in the slot, so that's going to be interesting. I want to get your take on Brandon Ayuk getting drafted with the 25th overall pick by my Niners. They actually went up six spots. They had the 31st overall pick, and they traded up with the Minnesota Vikings, 225, in order to get the the speedster out of Arizona State. He gives them value as a kick returner, as a punt returner. I get it. He is, obviously, Shanahan felt like he was the best fit into their offense because he can give them yards after the catch, but my God, was it a big time reach, Ed? I just—if you can see me right now, I'm—I'm I'm shaking, Ed, over this pick. Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of a reach, Brandon Ayuk. I—I'm—I—I I don't, I don't know if that's where I would have gone with that pick. I mean, like I said, there was there's there's just so much receiver talent in this draft, and you know, even if you want to get a receiver, you know, you could wait a, a position or two and you know build up your team in other positions. So. Um, I, I actually disagree with going receiver there, too, at the same time. 
I would have been fine with the receiver there. I'm just curious, why didn't you go with C.D. Lamb at, at 13 or 14? You obviously value Javon Kinlaw a lot higher than a wide receiver there. But Brandon Ayuk, there's some rumors out there that Shanahan, Ayuk was the number two receiver on their board. Lamb was number one, Ayuk was number two. That's crazy to me, over Jerry Judy and over Henry Ruggs, over Justin Jefferson. It's, it's a bit strange to me. Obviously, we realized that they were going to be there was going to be a run on wide receivers in the first round, but, but I didn't think that there was going to be so many cornerbacks taken in the first round. Ed. Jeff Akuda at number three, obviously to the Detroit Lions. Then we had C.J. Henderson at number nine to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then we had A.J. Terrell go 16 to the Falcons. But there are a few cornerbacks that I just didn't see in the first round. Damon Arnett at number 19 to the Raiders. A huge reach. And then we had a couple of guys at the end of the first round go as well. So what do you think? Jeff Gladney went to the Vikings. You're a guy from Auburn that went to the Miami Dolphins. What do you think about this run on, on cornerbacks out there starting with uh, the Raiders just just reaching for Damon Arnett. I mean, I I, I like Damon Arnett, but I like him as like a third round pick. Um, I to, to get him to get him as a first rounder was a little surprising, you know, especially since you know he he basically you know he's, he's like quit at Ohio State and then you know realized he needed to keep playing if he wanted to get drafted. So um, yeah, I I. I I, I I think Damon Arnett was a good number two. I mean, you know, maybe that what they like they thought was he was overshadowed by Okuda, and that's why they took him there. But um, yeah, I, I, I didn't think the Raiders. I I'm not a big fan of you know the Raiders. The Raiders in the first round just always kind of questions me. I mean, they they do all right in the mid round, mid to late rounds, but I'm I'm I just question how they do in the first round. They just they've had a lot of questionable picks. I mean, I, I go back to, like, Colton Miller. I mean, it's just some of the picks they make, it's just like, I, I don't understand them. Well, let's talk about Mike Mayock. He doesn't seem to care what you and I think. He has a different value board, and obviously he felt that Damon Arnett was a first-round pick, and he decided to go with him. And last year, that was pretty clear. They went with Cleland Farrell at number four when they actually could have moved down a few spots, picked up a few extra selections in order to still get their guy. I feel like they could have done the same thing here with Damon Arnett. Why not trade down to the end of the first round and pick him up? Obviously, Mike Mayock still doesn't understand value. He he likes his guy, he sticks to his board, and he's not much for, for trading up or down in this case. And it's just, like I said, it was a little bit surprising. I looked it up. Damon Arnett was my 82nd player on the board. And that's third round value, like you said. Obviously, we knew, Ed, that the offensive tackles, there was going to be a run on them. And uh, four offensive tackles went in the first 13 picks. The first one off the board was to the Giants at number four. Andrew Thomas... It's the new left tackle for the New York Giants. I don't know what they do with Nate Solder. I think he's going to move to right tackle as far as I'm concerned. Then the Giants actually drafted another one of our favorite guys, but we'll talk about it next week. They seem to shore up their offensive line. They realize that they have to open up holes for Saquon Barkley and protect Daniel Jones. So Andrew Thomas was the pick at number four. 
Yeah, and you know, you know what they wanted was a guy who could protect the blind side, and I, I, I like a guy. I like the upside of a Jedrick Wills who went to the Browns, but you know, you can't go wrong with Andrew Thomas. I mean, he's had a great career at Georgia, and he, you know, he he is probably the best pass blocker in this draft. So I have no problem with the with the Giants going with Andrew Thomas there. Well, your boy Jedrick Wells Jr. went tenth overall to the Cleveland Browns, who were starving for a left tackle, Ed. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that was a good pick. And you know what? I think the, the Browns have a very good, or they they have all the tools to be a good offense. I mean, this is now like put up or shut up time for Baker Mayfield. You know, this is, this is you know, you, you've you got the offensive line now. You've got the, you know, you've got the receivers. You've got the running backs. So there's no, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that Baker Mayfield can succeed if he has a good year. All right, and then obviously the Jets. The Jets also needed to find more help on the offensive line to protect their their franchise quarterback in Sam Darnold. And they seemed to do their background on Mikai Becton, and they decided to go with the, the massive offensive tackle from Louisville at number 11. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it goes back to that Patriots-Jets uh, game on Monday night where, you know, the... the Darnold had a quote where he said he was seeing ghosts, and you know what? That's what you got to do. You got to get him a blind side. You got to protect his blind side, and you got to get him a receiver, and that's what they did. And um, the last guy that was drafted was Tristan Wirfs. Obviously, the Bucks, another team that was looking to protect Tom Brady. They have their left tackle. They needed to find their right tackle. They traded up with the 49ers swap picks, and Tristan Wirfs. Is the new right tackle for the Tampa Bay Bucks? Yeah, I, I don't know if I would have traded up for him, but I mean they, they 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 didn't really need as much of a left tackle, but you know they get they get a right tackle, and I mean now their their offense is pretty is pretty close to set. I mean they're they're you know they they've got they've got big name players, you know, in Brady and Gronk, and they've got you know really good receivers in Godwin, and um, I'm blanking on their number, Mike Evans. So they got they got they got the guys they got the they got the name talent. Um, it's just it's just about executing Bruce Arians' offense. So I think they got a lot. I think I think they're I don't I don't know if they're gonna like be you know as great this great you know super you know juggernaut in the league. But I think they're gonna be a good offense, and I think they're gonna be better than they've been in years. Absolutely, I think they're a playoff team, Ed. Just want to state it out there. I don't know if we have a season or not, whether it's going to be a full season, whether it's going to be a shortened season. But if we do have a season, watch out for the Bucks. They are going to be a playoff team. Two more offensive tackles went in the first round. Austin Jackson to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, offensive tackle from USC at number 18. And then your guy, uh, the guy that you had the Dolphins taken at 18, that's Isaiah Wilson, the big right tackle, going to the Tennessee Titans at number 29. So that completes it at six offensive tackles as well taken in the first round. Yeah, and all, all good tackles. I mean, this is this was a good tackle class and all six. And I mean, it's a position that's overdrafted, but I think I think every team that decided to take a left tackle in this draft was smart enough, was smart too. Which team out of those teams that had multiple picks? Ed, obviously the Dolphins, 
with two at five, Austin Jackson at 18. They picked up a corner from Auburn at 30. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars. They went with C.J. Henderson at nine, the corner out of Florida, and Caleb on chase on defensive end slash outside linebacker from LSU at 20. And then the Minnesota Vikings, obviously, they Justin Jefferson at 22. And then they went with 31. They got Jeff Gladney. Out of all those teams, and the Raiders, actually. I forgot about the Raiders. The Raiders, Henry Ruggs at 12. And then Damon Arnett at 19. Out of those four teams, uh, teams with multiple picks in the first round, who do you think did the best job? I, I really like what the Dolphins did. I mean, they go they go and get Tua. And then they wait on Tua. They don't, tra- they don't trade another first round pick for Tua. Then they go and get... You know, I think I think a, a future left tackle, you know, a guy to protect to his blind side. And then they go and get a good slot. They get the best slot corner in the draft inning, you know, Caney. Um, I think that I think they, they, they made great moves in the first round. Some people might say that was a reach at corner at 30 to get a nickel guy. And then some people would argue that USC left tackle was also a reach at 18. Didn't have the best junior season before he came out. So some people might argue with that. They got their quarterback, still risky, but they got their quarterback at five. But those two other picks might be a bit risky. Just throwing it out there. I think the Dolphins reached. Yeah, I I, I disagree. I mean, I think I think I think you know he would have been a top ten pick if he you know the left tackle would have been a top ten pick if he if it wasn't for the 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 loaded draft class that we had for left tackles. So. Um, I don't see it that way, and I, I understand the Auburn guy, the Auburn slot corner. You know, the, the, some the, there was some surprise there, but at, at the same time, I mean, he, he he did really show good coverage skills. I mean, he plays in the slot. Um, you know, he he played in SCC school. I mean, we you know what what is the risk? I mean, maybe this is just a guy who who just fell under the radar with the media, and really we really should have been paying better attention to him. No, you just have a lot of money committed at the cornerback position. You already have those guys out there. I mean, they they paid Byron Jones a lot of money to become their number one corner. And they already have their guys set. They get a nickel corner at 30, a guy that you can get on day three. And again, Austin Jackson's tape during 2019 season wasn't pretty. Uh, He was much better in 2018. I think his story is very much outlined out there. I mean, what he obviously donated. Uh, you know, he helped his sister out in a time of need when she needed it. But the fact is, Austin Jackson just didn't look the same to me in 2019. I hope he gains that form that he showed as a freshman and as a sophomore. Who was the biggest reach in the first round? Uh, who do you think went a lot higher than you would have anticipated? I mean, we mentioned Damon Arnett already. Or Brandon Ayuk, or is there somebody else that you feel like was a reach in the first round? I mean, I th- I thought Brandon Ayuk was a huge reach. I mean, especially especially just the fact that uh, they they didn't they didn't need you, you know I, I would say I would say Brandon Ayuk for sure. Um, the other one I want to say is Jordan Brooks. I thought that was a huge reach too. Jordan Brooks going to the Seattle Seahawks at twenty seven, and one running back did go in the first round. Uh, I said no running backs were going to go. Uh, 
few weeks ago. You said three will go in the first round. One running back goes in the first round to the Kansas City Chiefs, but it's not the one that we thought it would be. We talked about maybe Jonathan Taylor, maybe DeAndre Swift. It was Clyde Edwards Elayer, the running back from LSU, going to the Super Bowl champions and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, that I think that's a great pick, actually. He could be that the Brian Westbrook type of player in that Chiefs offense. I I don't know. I, I, I think that for them to take him at 32, I think the only reason they took him at 32 was is that he had less least tread on his tires. And I think this is just a new trend we're going to see in the NFL. The first running back we're going to get taken is just not always going to be the best guy, but it's going to be the guy who has the least tread on his tires. You know, the guy who, you know, played at a big program, did well at a big program, and was a one-year starter because he played behind so many other good players. And, um, you know, Edward Zelaer, you know, probably isn't as good as the guys before him, but isn't as, you know, maybe better than Brosset, but not better than not better than uh, Leonard Fournette and not better than um, the Darius guys. So I, I, I think the fact that he waited behind those guys um, is the reason why is he was really only a one year. He only had one real year of full workload. And so I think that's the reason why he was taking 32. I think he's just the best fit for the Kansas City Chiefs offense. That, that's all. I just think they see a guy that, that can cut, catch a ton of passes out of the backfield. And, you know, he's a slippery runner. He can break tackles. I think he's better than DeAndre Swift. And I think those two guys are similar. But I think the Chiefs saw through it. And I had Clyde edwards Elair ahead of DeAndre Swift as well. So I'm going to stick up for it. It's a good move. I think he might be the, the next Brian Westbrook out there. Andy Reid had Brian Westbrook with the Philadelphia Eagles. Similar prospects out there. I, I wanted you to explain me one pick, Ed. I, I just didn't get it. And you actually mocked him in our draft, and we got it right. Isaiah Simmons going number eight to the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals play a 3-4 defense, Ed. So Isaiah Simmons is not going to be able to play outside linebacker in a 4-3 defense, which in my opinion was his best fit. So Simmons now is going to play inside linebacker in that 3-4 defense. Is Vance Joseph going to be able to to use him right in that defense? I just felt like that was a very strange marriage. They went with probably the best player on the board, but I'm not sure how they're going to make it fit in that 3-4 defense. You know, I, I, th- I think he's a flexible player. Um, the reason why I think he fits in that position is, you know, he is the linebacker. He is the Mac linebacker. So I think he is going to be the one who's going to be asked to cover when he has to cover. Um, you know, maybe on third down, he's the guy who covers a tight end. But, I mean, really, really, at the same time, I mean... Um, he he's he's gonna he's gonna be you know he's gonna be asked to stop the run and um you know I think in a dime package he'll be that kind of hybrid player I think he's gonna be the hybrid guy in a dime package so maybe you'll see a lot of dime package on third down with Isaiah Simmons and the Arizona Cardinals I'm not saying that Vance Joseph is to blame for all these players but the Arizona Cardinals experimented with Dion Buchanan it didn't work they've experimented with Hassan Reddick it hasn't worked. Isaiah Simmons is a much better player than those two, but I'm just not sure he's a really good fit here in that 3-4 defense. And I just feel like Vance Joseph is still going to constrain him in that package and say, hey, you're the linebacker, 
It's all you're gonna do. And as an inside linebacker, he's gonna have to take on blocks. He's gonna have to shed him, and that's not his game. He likes to run around, you get him free, and he can make 100-plus tackles. Now you're asking a guy who's about 6'3", 240 pounds, do something that he wasn't asked to do at Clemson, take on blockers, take on offensive linemen. He's not going to be able to shed those tackles. I'm just, I'm curious. I mean, I, I just don't see the fit. Isaiah, Tom, Isaiah Simmons, this is just, this is a bad marriage right here. I just, I want to see how this is going to work out in the 2020 season. I just, I didn't see it then, and I just don't see the fit now. And, and Vance Joseph is the wrong guy to make it work. We, we need another guy, another defensive coordinator to get more creative with Isaiah Simmons. This isn't the defensive coordinator that I want Simmons to, to play under. I, I think he's going to, he might ruin his career. That, that's all I'm just, I'm throwing it out there. Ed, let's talk about your winners. Who are a couple of teams? Give me a couple of teams that you f- feel did the best in the 2020 NFL draft. Well, I mean, I've already kind of said the Miami Dolphins, and I like their draft up and down. Um, I think they were a big winner. Um, I think another team that I think did pretty well was, uh, I, I, I really I really liked the, what, what I saw out of the Tennessee Titans. I mean, getting Christian Fulton in the second round, getting Isaiah Wilson, I thought I thought they had a good draft. You know, they're, they're a team that's already good. You know, they got Tannehill, and, you know, he's playing well. And, you know, they got a lot of pieces in place, and they, they sort of picked towards the end, and they were able to get some good players. Uh, I'm going to go with a couple of my winners. I mean, Ed already mentioned a couple of his teams. Uh, I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens, Ed. The Baltimore Ravens, to me, had an outstanding draft. It's just exceptional draft. They were able to fill their needs and still walk away with the best available players on the board. Patrick Queen, who fits that 3-4 defense as an inside linebacker. Not my favorite guy, but he fits what that defense does well. J.K. Dobbins is going to be their lead horse. Sooner or later, he's going to remind people of Mark Ingram. Justin Mudobuke, the defensive lineman from Texas A&M, he's going to be a five technique in that defense. Um, You know, obviously a versatile player, a good run defender. Malik Harrison, another guy that can take on blocks. He was a steal in the third round. People that listen to this show know I'm a big fan of SMU wide receiver James Prochet. Excellent value as a slot receiver in the sixth round. And Geno Stone out of Iowa. Just terrific instincts. This guy's always in the right place at the right time. He's got good ball skills. Getting him in the seventh round uh, is also tremendous value. And I'm also going to go with the Cleveland Browns, Ed. And the reason why I'm going with the Cleveland Browns is because I think they got the best left tackle left on the board in Jedrick Wills. He's going to protect that blind side for Baker Mayfield, an aggressive run blocker. He's technically sound as a pass protector. And Grant Delpit, you know how I feel about Delpit. Delpit was a steal at 44 in the second round. He's an instinctive safety with speed, size, athleticism, great range, and outstanding ball skills. It's just, that's a steal. It's my top 10 player on the board who slid all the way to the second round because of an injury because of those missed tackles. But this guy is a playmaker anytime that he steps on the football field. And another team I wanted to mention are the Tampa Bay Bucks. Tristan Wirfs was a good pick in the first round. Antoine Winfield Jr. was a terrific pick in the second round. 
the instinctive safety with great ball skills. Um, his father played in the NFL. Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt in the third round. That was a good pickup. The Bucks needed a running back uh, to, to take over. And Vaughn, he can pass protect. He's a good receiver out of the backfield. Maybe not as flashy, but he has good balance and power. And I feel he'll fit well in with the Bucks as well. So for me, clear winners are the Ravens. Far and away the best team in this draft. The Cleveland Browns, just because of those two top picks and Jedrick Wills and Grant Delpit, they also got Harrison Bryant, your number one tight end on the board from Florida Atlantic, and the Tampa Bay Bucks, the third team that I felt did really, really well. How about the losers, Ed? Who walks away as as a big-time loser from the 2020 NFL draft? Well, I, think, I think the most obvious answer is probably... The, uh, the the Green Bay Packers. I mean, they really just. I I wasn't really excited about any of their picks. I mean, I thought maybe the mo- the the least questionable was the Jordan Love pick, and that was still very questionable. So I, I I was not impressed with the Green Bay Packers draft. I think another team that didn't draft very well was I, I think the Oakland Raiders made some mistakes. I think you know taking taking Damon Arnett, taking Henry Ruggs so early. Um, I thought I I thought they could have had a better draft. Um, and I, I think I think the Seahawks belong on that list too. You know, I I just I don't understand Jordan Brooks in the first round. You could have got him in the third round. Um, yeah, I just I, I was I, I just really wasn't that impressed with the Seahawks draft. I'll expand on that as well. I I agree with Ed. The Green Bay Packers didn't have a good draft. I'm not a big fan of Jordan Love. I don't think he's the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers. A.J. Dillon was a nice find in the second round, but I think it was still a reach. I had him in the fourth round. I don't think he gives you value as a pass catcher out there. He's 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 got power. He's an explosive back. He will remind people of Derrick Henry. I just, I'm not sure he's that versatile weapon. I wasn't excited about... Josiah DeGuara, the tight end from Cincinnati in the third round. I wasn't excited about any third-round picks except for maybe John Runyon from Michigan, who might be a a really good backup at offensive guard. They didn't get any weapons for my boy, Aaron Rodgers. They needed to find a wide receiver or two to to help Devontae Adams in that offense. They didn't do that, and I just feel sorry for Aaron Rodgers just altogether. They... They let him down. I don't see how the Packers can go from a team that went to the NFC Conference Championship game to being there again. I just don't think they have the weapons. And the Seahawks. I just Jordan Brooks was a reach in the first round. I like Daryl Taylor from Tennessee, but not in the second round. Damian Lewis was a nice find in the third round, the offensive guard from LSU. But the Seahawks just always prove people wrong. And I'm sure they're going to prove people wrong once again once Jordan Brooks goes to the Pro Bowl as a rookie. But I wasn't excited about their day three picks as well. Uh, Let's put a wrap on it, Ed. Uh, Just your overall impressions from the 2020 NFL draft, what you liked, what you didn't like. Yeah, I, I thought I thought it was a pretty good draft. I, I really thought the first like 15 picks really went how they should. Um, I thought I thought that was really a good part of the draft. Um, I thought that a lot of guys got drafted that deserved to get drafted. I, I remember last year there was just a lot, a lot more uh, guys who went undrafted that I was like th- they didn't deserve to go undrafted. And I thought I thought you know teams did better at you know picking picking who they should have picked this year. 
Um, you know, I think it, it's been a great year for the SEC. Um, I thought it was cool. You know, I, I always love a good quarterback draft, you know, one where you can, you know, get some new quarterbacks in the league and, you know, cause that is, that is a prime position. And I think there's three new quarterbacks in this league, um, you know, who are going to be good starters and that's Tua, Herbert and Joe Burrow. Yeah. We've got a new generation of quarterbacks in this league. So I'm excited. Yeah. I'm sure one of those is going to be a bust because that that's what history shows us. Ed and I will continue scouting players we've already started i'm sure the debate will begin today trevor lawrence or justin fields i mean that's going to be the question mark in the 2021 nfl draft and stay tuned thank you for listening next week we'll cover day two and day three of the 2020 nfl draft just all the good picks and all the bad picks that that happen during the draft weekend Thank you for listening to another Blitzcast episode. Take care.